Hi, I'm Amy McCune, and I am our Head of Managed Services and Customer Support at Ericsson here in North America. I think that there is also a need to think more about business intent than just the network node. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Catherine. Today, we'll be discussing how AI is becoming more critical than ever to advance 5G rollouts and how it's essential for network management and operations. But before we do that, Amy, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? Well, I would say that there's probably two examples if you're okay with me sharing both of them. I thought about it first from a personal perspective, and I would have to say that being a mom is probably one of the most empowering things that I've ever experienced in my life. And that isn't just about whether you're a birth mom or an adoptive mom, it's just the fact that you have such an influence on this uh, human being and their growth and their development. And it makes you recognize uh, the responsibility that you have. Uh, and so I think that that's been a super empowering thing for me in my lifetime. And then if I think about it from a professional perspective, I will tell you that probably what's most empowering to me is when I break barriers. And I've probably lost count in my career how many times I've had a role where I was the first woman to have that role. Here at Ericsson, there have been two instances, in fact, where I was the first woman in North America to attain certain uh, positions within the company at certain levels. And that's very empowering. It also comes with a great deal of responsibility, I believe. Why I think it's empowering is because it, um, I know, affords the opportunity for other women to one day sit in those same seats and hopefully even, you know, bigger and higher level roles of responsibility because people see that it's possible. And so I find that very empowering, but I also find it a great responsibility and very humbling. Um, I recognize that uh, people um, look to me uh, for, you know, what might be right or how did you do that? And I certainly wish that I had the playbook uh, that you could share because it isn't as simple as that. But I recognize that uh, um, it's a great responsibility and one that I carry with great care and uh, uh, am, am humbled by it. But I would say it's still very empowering to know that you've attained positions that other uh, women haven't been afforded the opportunity and uh, being able to knock it out of the park makes it even that much better. Yeah, it is empowering, but it's also kind of scary. And I, I think that something that someone who is not a minority in a situation doesn't always really realize that you know mm -hmm. the, the women of the situation or the people of of color of the situation are not just there representing themselves they have to represent mm -hmm. everyone who looks like them which isn't right. isn't fair I mean that's not how it works right we're, we're not all the same but that mm -hmm. is a little bit how we're going to be viewed so it's it's like you said a big responsibility and only adds oh, yeah that's right yeah and it adds to the challenge of being a, a woman absolutely. in technology absolutely because you absolutely feel that there is no room for failure and so I would suspect that oftentimes women are 
probably more prepared than some of their other uh, male counterparts because of that. And I think oftentimes there's a discussion around, well, we can take a risk on her. And it's not as much it is a, of it as a, a risk as it is the unknown to that group of decision makers because they perhaps haven't had a woman sitting at the table before. And to your point, there's plenty of times when you are the only woman um, in a room or you're, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but I can remember the days when you'd be at conferences and it was really in your benefit to be a woman because the line to the restroom was nil versus the men standing out you know, into the hallway. Um, so you always sort of have to find the positive in things. But yeah, you're right. You make a super good point. And uh, uh, that, that fear of failure probably is uh, a motivator to some people. I know for me, it certainly uh, keeps me on my toes. That is not the first time someone mentioned the short bathroom lines on my podcast, actually. <laughs> That's kind of funny and sad all at the same time, isn't it? Hey, you got to find the positive in things, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, this is a space to somewhat complain about the situation, but also to talk about it honestly and find the silver linings. And that's why the question is, when has it empowered you? You know, I think it's really cool to, you know, to to be a woman, even because, you know, it's like you are, like you said, you're overcoming barriers all the time. And while it's unfortunate those barriers exist, it is empowering. All right, but let's get into AI a bit. And before really talking about why it's critical for network management, I first want to ask you if you feel like there are some customers who are hesitant to implement AI services and where that distrust might come from and what would you say to those customers who feel that way? I would step back and say that our operators are certainly dealing with an amazing amount of complexity that's coming at them in their networks. And so they're trying to figure out how to manage that. And I can talk some more about that. And they recognize that AI is one way to potentially help them with that complexity, to ensure they've got the right customer experience, to ensure that they're managing the operational effectiveness um, of their organization. And I think that they are okay with AI inside their own organization. It's when they think about AI leading to having to share their data potentially with some external organization. And I think that that, that, that hesitancy or that caution is well-founded uh, in you know, the world that we are in today. It is super critical that you are um, exceptionally careful with your data. So I, I think it's more of a uh, question of how they use AI effectively for their own business, using their own people, their own data, um, and, and, and how to make that work successfully for them. But then the second piece of the equation where perhaps the um, hesitancy comes in is how they leverage other uh, vendors, so to speak, like an Ericsson, to help them on that AI journey. And I would just suggest that, you know, like with anything, trust but verify, um, their um, ability to inspect what they expect from their vendors around data um, operating model, what the uh, vendor's data architecture is, how they are dealing with um, security, compliance, privacy. Are they, um, uh, do they have a framework? Like we leverage the EU GDPR standards and there's seven key principles around that GDPR standards that we implement 
and anything related to our data. Um, we um, you know, make sure that based on wherever the operating country that we're in, so for example, North America, if we have our customers' data that it stays in the country. Um, so just things like that, that I believe our operators need to do their due diligence, rightfully so, uh, to ensure that who they're doing business with are trusted and um, handling data in the right way so that they can be more comfortable with it. Because look, the reality is, is the complexity that they are facing. I mean, we're looking at five to 10 times the number of use cases that we'll see in the network. Um, just, just doubling down on the amount of data, structured and unstructured data that's coming into the network, uh, billions of IoT devices, um, it's a fantastic time with what we're able to do and see with regard to this connected world and the importance of 5G that can bring to that. Um, but it is an unbelievable amount of complexity that they're gonna have to deal with. And I believe their ability to solve that all on their own will be very difficult. Right, so that's sort of what my next question is. And that's really the, oh. the, the heart of, of this conversation. So yeah, let's talk more about that. You know, why do we need AI in the 5G era more, more than we did in the past? So think about the complexity. So there's multiple spectrum bands. They're dealing with low, mid, high. How much money have they just spent on, uh, you know, $86 billion on the C-band auction, for example? Uh, not to talk about the network infrastructure that they're going to now go have to, you know, leverage and get their ROI on that, um, uh, on that investment hybrid networks, it isn't now just about um, a license spectrum, but now you have CBRS potentially out there. Um, you have coexisting technologies. It certainly isn't just about 5G. You still have 3G and 4G in the US. In some places, you still have 2G, right? Um, you are looking at um, a disaggregated network. It could be on-prem, cloud native, some hybrid of that, uh, network functions in the cloud, software-defined networking. And I go back to IoT again, think about potentially thousands of private networks. The level of complexity that they're dealing with is just increasing exponentially. And, you know, in the past, our operators have been most focused on voice and data services. Now that's changing as well to really leverage much more of um, that enterprise space with the power of 5G. Um, to where the quality of service level expectations, just for example, again, around a private network or think about um, a manufacturing facility where you've got a robot that you are wanting to make sure is inspecting the packages and they have to move and lift that package and then put it over here and do whatever their inspection is and then move it on down the line. The throughput and latency capabilities that are expected in that, that quality of service level is um, exponentially high. So how do they deal with that? without just piling on costs, adding tools, um, that's probably not gonna be a real sustainable way. And that's where AI is one component, I think, of um, how they're gonna need to deal with that operational complexity uh, differently. You mentioned that AI is one component to kind of meeting mm -hmm. those expectations um, of throughput and latency. What are the other components to that? Well, so I think that there is a competence component within the organization. There will be upskilling of people that's necessary. There will be different way, ways of working. So it's, it's people, processes, tools, what you do with that data, how you manage that data successfully. So, so I, 
I think that there is also a need to um, think more about business intent than just the network node. We're really good at, um, as an engineering organization, uh, at the root of our you know, operators and ourselves, frankly, we're really good at looking at the node and dissecting what the issue is with the node or reacting to an alarm in the network um, and being reactive and incident driven. And now I believe that organizations need to step back and say, okay, what is the business intent? Do I have a sustainability goal where I need to reduce my energy consumption? Do I um, have a customer experience objective that I need to set? Perhaps I need to improve my net promoter score by so many points. Um, do I have a churn objective that I want to hit? Um, and then based on that business intent, then you can put in place what your network actions are, which leads to automation. So how can you automate most things? And how can you get to a proactive and predictive state so that you can then, for example, meet those customer um, experience ex expectations? Think about um, C-band rollout um, that all of our operators in the US will be dealing with and are dealing with. How can they do that as quickly as possible so that they can provide their customers a great 5G experience, but oh wait, really the baseline of their customers' experience today is 4G. So if they're gonna add carriers to a site today to leverage that C-band spectrum, they still you know, can't interrupt or interfere or degrade the 4G experience. So how do they do that in the most optimal fashion? Well, they can potentially use data um, to not just from their own network, but potentially, you know, networks across the globe using algorithms that they can then use their data to train on um, to improve the pre-deployment, during deployment, and then even post-deployment experiences so that you have the minimal, if at all, obviously would be the goal, impact to the subscribers in that area. And since we are talking about network management, I, I thought I would take the time to ask you about the network management as a service that Ericsson offers. I've noticed that a lot of things these days are being offered as a service. Why is that? And why should operators be interested in this network management as a service that Ericsson offers? Well, I think um, it does go back to a little bit around the organizational dimension. Um, there's a cultural shift, there's um, a re-engineering of processes and ways of working that um, has to happen, um, bringing together, you know, like upskilling your traditional network engineers. Our operators, you know, obviously have uh, really qualified and competent network engineers, but they may not be data scientists. Um, or you may have your data scientists sitting over here in an R&D type organization, but how do they really bring that to life? And uh, that's a lot of heavy lifting. So as they try to figure that out, why not look to a qualified um, vendor, for example, Ericsson, where we have um, an amazing amount of experience operating customers' networks across the globe. We're building and proving these uh, algorithms using uh, machine learning to machine reasoning to artificial intelligence. And then we can incorporate the customer's uh, data into that, train that algorithm on their network experiences. And then we can help them, you know, again, just go back to the C-band rollout as an example. Uh, we can potentially help them right out of the gate with that 
versus them kind of learning on their own. Um, I think if I don't know the organization um, that you work for, but I find in um, our operator customers as well as ourselves, we are burdened with tools, lots of tools, and um, is adding another tool, the solution to it. Do they have the time to, you know, change the culture in the organization, be clear on a business intent process? Um, perhaps they can leverage an as a service type solution to help them execute more quickly, learn themselves, um, and move down the path to getting that return on investment and taking advantage of what 5G has to offer them from a revenue and a monetization perspective at a you know faster clip, perhaps. Great. Well, Amy, this has been excellent. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. You're absolutely welcome. And thank you so much for having me and allowing us to talk about uh, some of this uh, fun, exciting stuff that's happening in our industry. It's an amazing time. And while lots of complexity, there's just a ton of opportunity and such a great, great chance to make a difference from a sustainability perspective, to connect places that have never been connected before, to um, you know, help with uh, places like mining where you know, potentially there's uh, less risk or harm to life because you can put technology in place through connectivity solutions. It's just an amazing space to be in and uh, it's uh, super fun and super exciting to see all this rapid change and be a part of making a difference in it. Well Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com.